Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Welcome to episode 147 of Soccer New Bracket America featuring me. And who is you? Person New. That's right. Why do you have that name? Because because it's a brand name. Yeah. And you're comparatively new to being alive compared to me, and that will never change. But yes, it's also a branding issue. We will never change it. Do you find do you ever find that nickname demeaning or condescending? Because I never mean it to be. I just think it's fun. Nope, you like it? Yeah. And will I forever be soccer noob, no matter how long I, I study, watch, and learn soccer? Yes. Yeah, probably. But we're still trying to learn the whole world at once. So welcome to our show. Here is what we do in a nutshell. We are trying to learn the entire darn world at once. We're following every top flight men's league and major tournament and a lot of women's leagues and tournaments, too, from every single corner of the world. And that means you're going to get great big matches from really tight races in the big countries that perhaps you know if you're something of a veteran footy fan. But no matter who you are or where you live, I pretty much guarantee you we're going to be talking about matches that no other podcast outside of their own countries are talking about. This particular week, person who did you know that we are going to hit every single continental confederation? Yeah. That's a lot. That is a lot. It's all of them. There are none that are going to be left out. None? Nope, none. Every single one of them. And we're going to do things differently this week. Instead of uh, taking them in chronological order, do you know what that word means? Yeah. Okay, what does it mean? In, like, time. Yeah, we normally do the Friday matches, Saturday matches. But this time we're doing things uh, geographically. We've been asked to do it that way before. Thought the show might be a little bit easier to follow for some. So we're going to do it that way. We're going to take everything in alphabetical order by the acronym they go by. So the first one that we're going to start with, for example, is the AFC, Asia. Even though Africa comes first chronologically, they're known as the CAF. All right, so this particular week, we are going to be covering matches from uh, Friday through Thursday, as always. It's going to be August 4 through 10. But before we get to that, here in the introduction, this is the part that people really listen for. They like the soccer, but we have been told unabashedly that you are the star of the show. People want to know what's going on in Person Noob's world. You are having a big sports week, aren't you? Yeah. Which one do you want to talk about first? Um... Uh, probably archery. The archery, yeah. All right, tell the fine folks uh, where you had your archery experience. Uh, so me, me, my friend, her parents, and my parents. Uh, we went to the uh to the fair, and they had a little archery booth. So we tried it, and we both scored four points. But I'm pretty sure it's the least you can score with actually scoring points. And then, and then he told us, "You just qualified." Third, pl- uh, are you guys just tied third place uh, of like the middle school archery competition? Uh, but we didn't get to go. And how many other times did you ever picked up a bow before? Zero. Zero. So you fired three arrows. One of them went about halfway. Halfway, and then the second one went about halfway. About halfway, and the third one, I don't think that you hit the actual like circular part of the inside of the target, but it's a square. And you hit the white part, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, so that got you four points. But hey, you got the arrow far enough, and you hit it. That shows some natural ability. It's the first time you ever picked it. We didn't even have any idea it was a competition, did we? No. No, it was just free. We thought somebody's advertising their local archery business and letting people do that. But you qualified by being one of the best. Now, your friend, she has some bow experience, doesn't she? Yeah. Because her dad's a big bow hunter. That's big in this part of the country, but not as much where... 
you know, I and we came from originally back in Iowa. So a little more pheasant shooting, use more, uh, you know, guns for that than, than arrows, I suppose. But anyway, you showed some natural knack. You didn't get to go, as you said, to the uh, the money round. Why, why was that? We had something else going on, didn't we? Yeah. Um. Oh, yeah. We... Oh, yeah, my parents went to this big party that I, for some reason, couldn't go to, and I ran a race. Oh, that's right. You went to a charity 5K with one of our friends from church, while Mom and I went to a big charity gala for a, is it gala or gala? I've always been confused about that word. You know, it's a big party. Yeah, we got to go for that. There were no kids there. Don't feel bad. Not even babies. It was very, very adult, despite the fact that there were people in, uh, it, it was a superhero themed thing because it was for a children's charity and which was weird because there were no children there, but they had grown ups dressed like, you know, uh, various Marvel and DC superheroes. It was kind of weird. And then what's your other big uh, sports related news this week? It's not soccer. What else are you uh, starting to play now here in the late summer? Basketball. Yeah. I didn't realize that you're getting ready to start middle school mm-hmm. and here well, the high school season will not start for a while. They play the middle school season first, I guess, so that you can have access to the gym, right? Mm-hmm. And you, when did you have your first practice? Yesterday. How long has the team actually been practicing that we didn't know about? Since about the 4th of July. So you've had one day's practice, and when is your first game? Today. <laughs> and, and my second game is on Thursday, and this is Tuesday, uh, my next game, I think, is on next Tuesday, and then I have a Monday game, and then I think I have another Thursday game. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be playing a lot of games and not practicing nearly as much. And have you ever played organized basketball before? No. No. Which have you done more of in the past, basketball or archery? About about the same. About the both. same. None. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah, and the race is technically a sport. Yeah, that's true. So you're tall, you're skinny, you're still learning the plays. You will not probably excel on the offensive end of the coach runs plays, but what are you going to try to do instead, maybe, if you take my suggestion? Rebound and offense. Rebound and defense. Defense. I mean, you want to try hard on offense, too, but it's going to take some time to learn the plays the way the other girls know the plays. You can excel because you got them long, skinny arms that you do your old man imitation with. I'm sorry, did you just say, I'm an old man playing basketball yeet? Yes. I don't think old men say Too yeet. Bad. Too bad. Okay. Person of the old man says yeet. So it's an exciting sports week for you, even if there is no soccer involved. And then your school, but your school year still hasn't started. It starts very, very late compared to everybody else, doesn't mm-hmm. it? You excited for school to start? Sort of. I. What's the bad part about school starting? Is that it's school starting. Okay. What's the good part about school starting? Is that I actually get to meet people and not be, not just not know people. That's true. You got it's exciting. You're going to a new school with a lot of new people. It's going to be fun. You're nervous though, aren't you? Too. Yeah. A little because bit. Because it's school. It's school, and you've said every. You know, you're afraid a lot of other people are going to already know each other. But there are a lot be a lot of kids coming in for the first time to this school too. She's going to uh, our state's only laboratory school. So it's uh, it's one of the several best in the country, and you're bright enough to handle it. And you know we don't expect to kill yourself on academics, particularly here in the middle school years. But it'll be nice to get a taste of it, and see what it's like, won't it? There are too many kids. Seventy six. 
Oh, that's not so bad. And uh, if you follow through on your current career plans, going to a, a really great middle school and high school like this will do nothing but help. What What is your current professional plan if you were to follow through? Astronaut. That's right. Now, a lot, a lot of kids, especially little, little kids, do say, oh, I want to be an astronaut. But you really know a fair amount about you've always had a thing for space and astronomy mm-hmm. and science in general. You've told me before, even if you don't, even if you decide not to be an astronaut, what else would you like to maybe do related to the space program? Space engineering and science. Mm-hmm. And you've told me about research before, like maybe doing botany and various things. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of stuff science-wise that you can do with NASA and you know other budding organizations, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So that'll be exciting. This will be a, a great first step. So you've met some new kids playing basketball. Even mm-hmm. if not, and they've got a really good archery program if you want to do that because it's such a small school. Like I don't think they even have a high school football team, but they do. They're one of the state's best in archery. I, did you know that? Yeah, uh, I, I did sign up for archery. Oh, you did sign up for archery. That was the thing I signed up for at the. Um, oh, the orientation that we yeah. went to early in the summer. Uh-huh. Oh, I didn't. Know, I knew you put your name on like to be interested, but I didn't know you were. That was the same as formally signing up. Well, that's great. So you're going to learn how to murder people. Yay! Woo! No, not yay. You don't yay. point that thing my direction. When I was out at the county fair broadcasting for my radio station, um, I had the van and I had my microphone and my table set up. And on one side of me and in front of me was a uh, was a barbecue place that was doing pork uh, shish kebabs. You know, they had them on skewers. And then to the right of me and more level with or parallel to where I was, was that little archery range. Mm-hmm. So I got to joke on the air that one way or another, I was going to get turned into a shish kebab, either by the barbecue place on one of their skewer sticks, if they decided they wanted to make a meal out of me, or from some little middle school kid who doesn't know what she's doing and accidentally shoots me over at the van, or maybe even on purpose. <laughs> would you have shot? Would you have shot at me? No. You know, good thing too, because guess who? Guess who? The only other group that was parked over by by me was hmm. the canine police. Yeah, you'd have been arrested. <laughs> you you didn't even have the van when we went for archery. I, no, I wasn't working that day. We just never, went to have fun that day. I never ever, I never even saw you with the van up there. How would I shoot you in the van? Well, you could have come that day and shot me. It was more of a high. Well, no, I could not have because mom would not let me. Well, neither here nor there. All right, so that is what is up with the person who. Anything else you want to tell about the people that is... Uh, delighting you, making you sad, making you angry. What else is going on in the world of person noob? Croissants. Croissant is going on in the world of person yes. noob. It, it's very, they're very delicious. I, I, I highly recommend trying them. They're, they're Croissants. Really I think most people have had them. Shush. Do you have a favorite? Chocolate. <laughs> have you ever actually had a chocolate croissant, or is this just that video or that meme or whatever? I, th- I think I have had a chocolate croissant. 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 <laughs> new, new bites if you don't have kids just go ahead and google up like kids croissant video and you'll see what she's talking about all right shall we get into the footies ball sure all right let's kick things off with march number one so first up is afc yes the asian football confederation we're going to look at one match from this particular part of the world it is a tuesday match and it is the afc cup preliminary round that we're going to look at the only match from this round now in case you're not familiar with the AFC Cup but are familiar with Champions League and the secondary tournaments from other places 
Asia runs things a little bit differently. The top probably 40% of the leagues in Asia don't send anybody to the secondary tournament. This is largely for the champions of the bottom, roughly half of the leagues or so. And there may be some second and third place teams from the medium-sized countries, some FA Cup winners in there as well. So in this very first preliminary round, there are just two teams fighting to get to the next one, and that is Makhindra out of Nepal versus Paro out of Bhutan. The winners, they already know who they're going to face. They get Mohan Bagan from India, and that will be in the uh, south region. Now, Makhindra out of Nepal, they are named, it would seem, for a god, a red fish god, a deity called uh, Makhindranath. I couldn't find an actual definition for Makhindra. It seems to simply be a shortening of that. I'm unsure if they have named the club directly after this particular deity or if maybe there is a company that sponsors them that has named itself after the deity. Either way, uh, that is ultimately the derivation. They play out of Kathmandu and were founded in 1973. They play out of the Martyrs Memorial A Division League. A Division League from the Department uh, Redundancy Department of Redundancy. Yeah, that's how that should go. It, the league is ranked number 36 out of about the roughly 45 or so in Asia. This particular team were the two-time defending champions, uh, and those were their only two domestic league titles. They did not finish in first place this last year. 2021-22, they played in their first AFC Cup and lost to Blue Star out of Sri Lanka. Now, they finished in second place, as I mentioned, so how did they get to this particular event? Only the champions get to go anywhere when you're talking about leagues this far down the ratings. Well, Church Boys United, they had a dream fairy tale season. This is not a usual power in Nepal. And they won the league this year by three points, but they, and usually this has something to do with their home stadium, did not get an AFC Cup license, so they were unable to host or participate. So where is it going to be held? Well, uh, Bakindra is a, a much bigger club and with a lot more uh, fairly recent success. And they played a multi-purpose uh, stadium that sees 30,000 called Dasarath Rangasala. Let's take a look at how they did in league this past year that didn't end too long ago. Uh, they really excelled on offense in what was a fairly low-scoring league. They got a little bit over one and a half per match. Top three defense giving up one per game. Second best goal differential. They did have the number one league score as well, 23 goals. Afis Olawale Oladipo from Nigeria. And they had the second best goalkeeper, at least in terms of clean sheets. And that was Bishal Shrestha, who needs another vowel in the middle of his name to make it easier for me to say. Uh, team's current form, they had won their last two league matches, though it's worth noting that they were not able to keep a clean sheet in their last five. So they will be hosting the only match. This is not a home and away two-legged tie. They get to host. Winner moves on to face that team from India. I've got a little bit less about Paro, but they are known as the Tigers. The, they are named after the city of the same name, only about 12,000. And uh, pilots, of all people, are probably familiar with this area, at the very least by reputation. They say this, diff this airport is the most difficult to deal with in the world in terms of landing planes, because to get to it, the only way to reasonably is to pass over peaks that are over 5,500 meters high in the Himalayas. And then you've got the thin air density 
And then you've got a runway that is only roughly half the length of most major runways. So you've got to get a special certification. And last I read, there are only 30 pilots in the world who are even allowed to land there. All right, uh, back to the footy. The Premier League of Bhutan, they are ranked just a little bit lower than Nepal. It's ranked number 39 in Asia. Their league season this year is very young. They're undefeated so far, 3-0-0 with an 11-0-1 goal differential. This is a very young club founded in 2018, and yet they've won three of the last four titles and are your two-time defending champions. They got to participate in the 2020 AFC Cup, and that advanced, the, and they got to advance from the first to what at the time was the second preliminary round. So they've had a hint of success in their very young history here. Even though they're traveling, I do like Pero with that experience to take this game on the road. Shy little frog, dancing with me. We're not saving them for the end of the show any longer. They're going to pop up wherever they may. It's time the first of our two bonus matches. I will tell you about the bonus matches. Normally we do a route of the week, first versus last place. We've decided to let that go for this one particular episode since we're moving things around just for the sake of brevity. This particular matchup, it comes from Africa, which I realize comes alphabetically before Asia, but we're going with the general acronyms by which the confederations are known. So it's the Confederation of African Football. CAF is number two alphabetically. And the matchup that we're going to look at is between two egg-sucking cellar dwellers from some league in the world or in Africa specifically known as the match of... Disappointed! And the Herculean scorn from Kevin Serbo. It is worthwhile and worthy there. You have picked a Sunday match. It is from the Premier League of Reunion, which is an island out in the in the uh, the Indian Ocean. I was going to say Atlantic, but that's not right. That is a French overseas territory. It's not truly an independent country, but they get to play in the French FA Cup if they get past their own uh, FA Cup there on their island territory. But they participate in the African Champions League, their winner will anyway. Uh, as far as the French League Pyramid, it is an amateur league and is considered to be the equivalent to the French tier in France's mainland. Like all amateur leagues in France, they do something pretty cool. Instead of doing a 3-1-0 system for points, you get four points for a win, two points to each team if there's a draw, and just for showing up, you get a point. Because some of the French overseas territories sometimes they just find better things to do and don't show up, it seems. Now, three of the 14 teams, and this is more relevant here, obviously, are going to get relegated. And yes, there is a second, a lower division here on this Thailand Island territory. And the fourth to last place team will have to play, uh, play the fourth place team from the second division in what's called a relegation playout at the end of the year to see who's going to stay in the top flight or move up to the top flight. They're a bit over halfway through the season. Your matchup is number 13, second to last place. Oh, SCA Leopards versus number 14 and truly despicable St. Marianne. Uh, Leopards, they currently lead St. Marianne by nine on goal differential. So they're tied on points in the table. They trail number 10, St. Suzanne, by nine points. That represents the lowest point of true safety. 
When these two played earlier this season, it was St. Mariana got the, uh, or only managed a draw. I was going to say they got the win, but I was just reading it. They only uh, managed a draw one-to-one. We'll talk about uh, OSCA first. They are known once again as the Leopards. And the full name is OC San André Les Leopards. I'm probably mispronouncing the French there at the end, so forgive me, please. Uh, The city, or the commune more specifically, it's the fifth biggest one population-wise, about 55,000, even though geographically it's very, very small. This area uh, historically is known as where the first French uh, prisoner exiles from Madagascar were sent. So if it wasn't bad enough to be sent off the mainland from Africa, you got moved not one but two major island or island chains away. I uh, can't tell you a lot about this team, but I can tell you they weren't in the Premier League last year. I assume that this is not their very first year in existence. They've only got one little win on the season, uh, largely uh, thanks to the, having the worst offense in the league. They only average a goal every other match. Their defense is little better. Team's current form, their lone win was two matches ago, and it was a nice scalp. Uh, they got it at home versus number five, uh, Trois-Bassines. And now St. Marianne, this is a young, youngish club, founded in 2004. And though their name is St. Marianne, they actually play out of the city of St. Marie, 35,000 people. And it's where the airport is, which is a big enough deal that about a quarter of their crest is devoted to a uh, plane, which is either taking off or landing. In 2011, this team did make the Champions League and got to play in the preliminary round, so a bit of international experience, and they won the FA Cup in 2010. Uh, Their problem, well, I mean, like their opponents today, the problem is everything, but the defense is the bigger problem. They give up two and a third goals per match in a league that otherwise isn't really that high scoring, and they have the worst goal differential. Team's current form, uh, they just got a win against number four, St. Dennis. So a very nice scalp for them as well. A little success here in recent days or the last couple of weeks for each of these teams. But nevertheless, before we move on to the next match, we will shoo them away in our traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo. boo! Match number B. All right, officially that was an unnumbered match, and so our next one is match number B. For our newest listeners, yes, number... B. Yeah, number B. Number... Two. Is bathroom talk, and we don't like that because we know what it means, and we're not uncouth like that. No, we are not. Join us in our revolution to replace that phrase in your lives with number B. But before we get to that, person, if you were the one that chose that very interesting sounder, for uh, the revealing of the bonus match. You want to tell the fine folks what that was? It's Jazz Frog. Yeah, you think where, 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 you think that's like a, a New Orleans sound or a kind of a Chicago jazz? What are your thoughts geographically? There's different jazz and different... Maybe it was just more of a frog jazz. It, it's just Jazz Frog. It's just Jazz Frog. Frog jazz. Doing frog jazz. Yes. So why did you, why did you choose that? Because it's cool, it's random, and it's got nothing to do with soccer. We don't do things that are random and have nothing to do with soccer on this show. Yes, we do. Oh, that's right. That's the basis for the entire show. All right. Well, thank you for those who were unfamiliar uh, on their behalf for introducing them to the joy that is jazz. Oh, you're dancing as if you're still hearing the music. Describe to the people the dance move you're doing right now. I know you know it from SpongeBob. 
the SpongeBob taking around town, <laughs> like, uh, from, like from like the uh, the teaching Patrick how to do the bubbles. Yes, it's part of his bubble root pre bubble routine and swinging around town. the town. Yeah, that's a good dance to do wow. for Jazz Frog. All right, so that was actually our only African match. We are now moving on to our region, North America, Caribbean, Central America, known as CONCACAF. And so the first of our CONCACAF matches comes from an event called the League's Cup. It's going to be a match on Friday. This has reached its round of 32. It's being hosted by the United States and Canada. Unlike the first couple of years that this event has existed, as a glorified exhibition, it no longer is. Now all the teams from both Major League Soccer and Liga MX, the top flight in Mexico, participate, and there are international stakes on the line. The former CONCACAF Champions League, now known as the CONCACAF Champions Cup, the top three finishers in this event will all automatically qualify for that, no matter how they do in their own uh, domestic league play. And in fact, the champion of this event will get to start a little further ahead in the round of 16. The matchup we've chosen is including the lowest ranked team right now out of Major League Soccer. This is going to be their only chance, unless they can do something in the uh, U.S. Open Cup, I suppose, to have any shot at international play. Talking about Portland Timbers, and they are playing host to Mighty Monterey. The winners will get to play UANL or Vancouver in the next round. And uh, you can witness this a likely debacle for Portland, 10 o'clock Eastern time in the U.S. on Fox Sports 1 or Unimas for the Spanish language broadcast. Uh, Portland, their best international finish was the CONCACAF Champions Cup of 2021. They made the quarterfinals, but they seem to have peaked because last year they only finished in eighth place in the Western Conference of Major League Soccer, did not make the playoffs at all. Currently, they're doing even worse than that, 12th in Major League Soccer's Western Conference, largely because of their defense. As poor as their offense is, the defense, uh, yeah, it's number 11 in the West. They advanced to the round of 32 by finishing in second place of their group at three with a three and two goal differential. So they squeaked in. Key players to look for, number one in clearances per game, and by a lot, six and a half of those is six foot four center back Canadian Zach McGraw. He's a beast. He's a, they're starting to discover that in Canada because he's got four national team appearances for them. Uh, number three in saves per 90 minutes, which I think tells you more not about his abilities than it does the lack thereof of the defense in front of him. He's having to make almost four saves per match. That's Alias. uh, Ivacic, he is from Slovenia. He's also tied for number one in the league in goals allowed. So he's just getting peppered. MVP for this team, probably Evander Ferreira, their Brazilian central midfielder. He does a bit of everything, which is not what you necessarily want from your central midfielder. You know, great. He's a super dribbler, 70% success rate, but three assists, fine. And five goals. Very, very talented, but he's got to be able to delegate some of that. Team's current form, they're starting to turn things around a little bit. 2-0-1 in their last three. That last, uh, that loss, rather, was in their last match versus T-Grace in this event. So it didn't end up uh, costing them anything. They still advanced. And now the Steamroller, the current nickname for Monterey. And why not? They've won the CONCACAF Champions Cup, formerly CONCACAF Champions League, five different times, including two very recently, 2021 and 19. They had a perfect 2-0-0 record in the group stage for this event, 7-2 goal differential. 2023-24 Apatura, 
which is the stage that they're in right now. Remember in Mexico that they divide their soccer year into two separate stages or seasons. There are only three matches in, so that's not too telling. But what is more telling is uh, the fairly recently completed Clausura from the 2022-23 season. Yeah, they won that. So them being in second place right now is no fluke. They did it be very well balanced, second best offense, second best defense, giving up less than a goal per match, number one goal differential by about 50%. This is the best team in North America. Key players for them, a tie for second best in scoring with 12 goals last year. Rogelio Funes Mori, their Argentinian forward. And then goalkeeping wise, seven clean sheets. That's good for third best. He's also got the third best save percentage last stage. Another Argentinian fellow, Esteban Andrada. They are 2-1-0 in their last three with a 5-1 and goal differential. I look for them to advance on the road with relative ease even in Portland. Match number three. More CONCACAF action, specifically right here in the States. Match number three, a Saturday match from the USL League Two. That is a fourth division league here in the States. Sometimes amateur, sometimes semi-pro, depending on the team. And there are a lot of them, 122 across 16 divisions in four conferences. And they've reached their final. It is Ballard versus Lionsbridge. And it is going to be played in, I'm going to mispronounce this, Tukwila, Tukwila, forgive me, Seattleites. I'm not sure, but at least I'm giving your team some coverage. Uh, Ballard, they are known as the Bridges. Very cool nickname. Founded in 2022. A lot of League Two teams are very, very new. And by the way, just so you know, these League Two teams are largely college kids or assistant coaches not that far out of college, you know, uh, looking to move up, staying in shape, things of that ilk. Uh, Ballard, by the way, they are named for a former town, which is now essentially a neighborhood or district in the northwestern part of Seattle. It is a huge Scandinavian influenced area, a lot of boating in this area as well. Footy-wise, last year, the team finished in second place in their division. That was good enough to get them into the playoffs, and they got as far as the Western Conference Final. They advanced over perennial plower Flint City Bucks in the semifinal. No one on the road. That is a big one to get. Flint City have been very good for a long time. Uh, This year, they won the Northwest Division by 11 points in 12 matches. Absolute domination. Number one offense by lots in that grouping, three and a third goals per match, and the number one defense by a lot as well. Uh, They gave up a little over one goal per match, so it was a very entertaining high-scoring division. Team scoring leader with eight is Stas Korzenlowski. And now Lionsbridge making the cross-country trip from Newport News in Virginia. They were founded in 2017. Last year, they won their division and made the conference quarterfinals. Uh, That was their first division title and their second-ever playoff appearance. Uh, They won the Chesapeake division this year by five points over Northern Virginia. Offense was good. Defense was excellent. They were the only team by far that gave up less than one goal per match. Best goal differential in their division by 50%. They advanced to the semifinal over the Villages. It took some doing. Uh, One to one, they hosted the Floridians, and they had to beat them five to three on penalty kicks. Match number four. More footy action from here in the States. Another Saturday match, another fourth-tier championship. The other Tier 4 league in the U.S. is the NPSL, National Premier Soccer League. Four conferences, Mesa Divisions, that's another big one. They have reached their final. Tulsa Athletic gets to play host to Apatheos. I'm going to pronounce it. They play out of Kennesaw, Georgia. 
Tulsa. They have one of the most interesting crests. I won't say I love it, but I definitely at least like and respect it for doing something different. It's got a lot of black involved as a base color and then a lot of uh, pink. Not quite hot pink, but pretty close. They feature a lion, not my favorite, but at least it's not their official mascot, and a unicorn. Very interesting. Uh, They won the Midwest Conference uh, six-team Heartland Division by one point over OKC, 1889. Uh, they did it largely on the backs of their defense, only giving up three-quarters of a goal per match. Number one defense by better than uh, 50% over anybody else. Last year, they made it to the national semifinals, and the year before, they lost in the final. Maybe this is the year they finally get to host the trophy. They advanced over a pretty good organization in Crossfire Red out of Seattle. It used to be two teams, I believe, Crossfire, divided into two different ones this year and beat them handily for nothing. And now Apotheos. Apotheos? Not sure, but I'm pretty sure that it comes from the word Apotheosis, which means the essence of something in perfection. Oh, you know, uh, not don't have our nose in the air at all with that particular one. It also implies deification in a polytheistic system. There's got to be more of a story. I would love to hear from somebody from this club on what on earth this name is really all about. But you got to respect the football. They won the Southern Conference Southeast Division by four points over Appalachian FC. Tied for number one on offense, but they had the best defense in their grouping by a lot. In a high-scoring division, they only gave up a bit over one goal per match. Best goal differential by a factor of two. Wow. They advanced to the final over Westchester United 3-1, to one, but it took them added extra time to get there. Match number five. That did it for the CONCACAF region, and now just after that, alphabetically, Conmebol, which is the long bit of alphabet soup that means South America, essentially. And the match that we're going to look at first is a Wednesday match from their version of the Champions League. They call it the Copa Libertadores. They've reached the round of 16, second leg of the home and away, two-legged tie. So last week we talked about Deportivo Pereira versus Independiente de Valle, but we took a culture break. Didn't learn much about either team. We learned about the city of Pereira instead. Uh, Pereira won the first leg, won nothing. Now Independiente get to see if they can match or best that to see who's going to advance. You can watch it on television on BN Sports at 8 o'clock Eastern time in the U.S. Independiente de Valle, uh, they play out of Ecuador from the suburb. Uh, it's a suburb of Quitos called Sengolqui or Sengolqui, not sure which, but it's the number 12 rated club in all of South America. 2016, this team made a Copa Libertadores run to second place. That uh, Number 12 is pretty high, but Argentinian and Brazilian teams tend to dominate. This was considered very much on a par with what Leicester City did winning the Premier League that same year. Not totally impossible, but not something you were going to see very often. They qualified for this year's event as the defending Copa Sudamericana champions. That's the second best international club tournament, the equivalent of the Europa League. They also won that event in 2019. And truth be told, they would have gotten in anyway because they finished as the number three aggregate uh, finisher last year in their league. So they were going to be here in the champ, uh, Copa, Copa Libertadores either way. Now, about football in Ecuador, their top flight is called Serie A, and it is ranked fourth best of the 10 league associations in South America. They won the first stage this year. They're only one match into the second stage, so we really don't have anything to look at there. 2021 was the ever, only time they've ever won an overall league title for the entire year. 
This last stage that they won, they were tied for second best in offense, had the number one defense going, giving up a goal per match. So kind of a high scoring league. Key player to look for, second best scorer in the league with 10 was Michael Hoyos from Argentina, winger, actually born in California and in his youth was invited to play for the U.S. men's national team. U uh, twenty squad, or at least go to one of their camps. Don't think he ended up accepting. He actually ended up moving to Argentina at age fifteen, and that is the system he is in now. Uh, this team got to enter at the group stage because of their very high ranking. They beat Argentino juniors by one point in their four team group to advance a uh, ten to five goal differential, which was the best in both of those ways. And now Deportivo Pereira, they are known as the Wolf or the one I prefer, the Matacana, which translates literally to the killed sugarcane or they killed sugarcane. Basically where uh, I think the airport and maybe some other uh, civic things are, they stripped down some really, really important sugarcane fields and built those up. And now they wear that as a very strange badge of honor, but I like the uniqueness. Uh, the town of Pereira, it's actually the largest city in this region known as the Coffee Access, about a half a million people. It's in the west central part of the country. Uh, the club qualified as Colombia's Torneo Finalización, essentially the second stage or Clausura stage in other countries. So they were the, they got the second highest berth out of this country. And it was their first ever title, by the way. So we're not talking about a standing power. Combable ranks this team just outside the top 200. So talk about your underdogs. In the group stage, they finished in second place with a 2-2-2 record that was good enough to get them through since the top two advanced. They were slated on paper to finish in fourth place. They beat out third place Cola-Cola from Chile, a good power team there, by two points. Uh, They finished with the fewest points out of all the teams in this round, and so they are very much your underdog, as I mentioned. Now, uh, they play out of Colombia, of course. Uh, The category of Primera A is the third-ranked league in South America. In last year's Torneo Finalización stage, they finished in 19th out of 20. Woof. I mean, they're more in danger of relegation than getting back to any international play in a year or two by a lot. Uh, they're only four matches into their current stage this year, but they uh, they finished number 12 in the Apertura, so they really haven't been doing any better. The early MVP so far this stage, uh, let's say they're doing a little bit less badly on defense. Their center back has been very good. Jason Suarez, 75% tackle rate, not a guy you want to mess with. And when he gets up the field on some wingback action, he's a very good crossing passer as well. In an episode strewn with sounders, we know best of all that the sound of voracious kitties means it is time to do a recap of last week's matches. Otherwise, why track them at all? Last week, Saturday, match number one was from the Pacific Coast Soccer League in Canada. Number B, Victoria United took on number three, Port Moody, and it was the Highlanders of Victoria getting a 4-0 big win. They went on to beat Calsa in the final on Monday, 3-4. Congratulations to them on the shootout win and the title. Sunday brought us match number B from the FIFA Women's World Cup. Number 12 in the world, Norway, took on number 46, Philippines, and it was a route for the Norwegian gals. They won 6-0. Yeah, we said the look for Caroline Graham Hansen did have one of the later goals. Norway finished the group in second place on goal differential over New Zealand and advanced to the knockout round. Match number three in Lithuania's A-Liga. 
Number B is Algiris Vilnius took on number one Panavicius, and it was the road team cementing their lead lead with a 1-2 win. Panavicius got it. No change there in the table. Tuesday, match number four. We went back to the FIFA Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand, talked Portugal versus the USA, and they played to a nil-nil draw. USA advanced as the number B finisher in their group. Portland finished in the third and went home. Match number five from UEFA's Europa Conference League, second qualifying round of the home and away, uh, second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. Swift Hesperange out of Luxembourg versus the Welsh side TNS. And it was the Luxembourgians getting a 3-2 win. For them, Dominic Stoltz that we said to look for here, the opening goal. TNS, their star, Declan McManus, he had two penalty kicks for their goals. Uh, they advanced to the uh, Luxembourgians 4-3 on aggregate. Good for the microstate. Wednesday, match number six from the UEFA's Champions League second qualifying round. Second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. Copenhagen versus Breidablik. They had Breidablik. The Icelanders advanced all the way from the preliminary round, even before the first qualifying round, but they have reached the end of their dream road. Copenhagen got them in a massive shootout. 6-3, won 8-3 on aggregate. For Breidablik, their usual assist guy, Hosbilder Gunnlaugsson, actually had a goal. Match number seven from the Copa Libertadores, round of 16. First leg of the home away two-legged tie between Colombian side Deportivo Pereira and Independiente de Valle out of Ecuador. And it was Pereira defending their home turf, getting a 1-0 win. Match number eight from the CONCACAF Central American Cup. Verdes, the Belizean underdogs, uh, played like underdogs. They lost in L5. No real surprise there to Honduras' Matagua. Match number nine from the CONCACAF Leagues Cup, round of 32, Inter. Miami and Orlando City played the, what I would call the Swamp City Derby. Both of those cities are doomed. Doomed, we say. And the result, it was a 3-1 win for Inter-Miami. Thursday, match number 10 from the CONCACAF Caribbean Shield. St. Paul's of St. Kitts and Nevis took on Metropolitan of Puerto Rico, and it was Puerto Ricans getting a nil 2 win. And now your bonus matches with explanations coming later. Route of the week was a Wednesday match from the Malawi Super League. Number 15, Mighty Tigers took on number one, the Asa Big Bullets. And, ooh, not a route after all. The result was a 1-1 draw. And that actually moved Mighty Tigers up to third to last place, number 14. Then, your most meaningless match of the world, the Tuesday match from Serie B. Yeah, the second division of Brazil. We went there. Number 12, CRB took on number 11, Atletico GO. And it was CRB getting a 2 one win. Most meaningless or average player that we mentioned, Gustavo Coutinho Lopez for for Atletico GO. He had the best game of anybody on his team, according to uh, FootMob, the app that we like so much. No change in the table after this result. And then finally, your match disappointed. Well, we didn't do a match of disappointed because we were so disappointed that our upcoming episode was supposed to be a pants cast. We had a whole panel set up talk about nothing but all things pants. Whatever we wanted to, as long as it was pants related for a full hour. It's going to be history making. We hope to reschedule it again for the future. But it was very disappointing. We had to have a number of people drop out. Hopefully we can do that another time. And that concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's get back into the upcoming week's match tracking with... Match number six. Our next South American or CONMEBOL match is one from Thursday... The Copa Sudamericana that I mentioned before, the equivalent of the Europa League, or in other words, the second best 
uh, club international tournament in South America has also reached its round of 16. Second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. The best-looking match to us looked like Emelec out of Ecuador versus Defensa y Justicia from Argentina. Emelec won the first match 2-1. to one, Or excuse me, Defensa y Justicia won 2-1 to one in home. Now it's time to see if Emelec can best that and be the ones to advance. I think that would be a little bit of an upset. But now is the time of show where my tummy is starting to get a little rumbly. It's time for a culture break because I want to talk about food. Emelec, Ecuador, where they're hosting this. Guayaquil is the name of the town, and they have got a lot of dishes there on the coast that are specific to this area and very delicious. But we're not going to talk about seafood. There's also tons of goats in this area, probably very close proximity to big hills or even mountains there as well. And one of the things that is very popular there, a traditional dish, seco de chivo. It is a goat stew, and I love trying all. I don't think I've ever had goat meat, but I'm looking forward to trying it. Yeah, goats are all over the coast in that country, so it's a popular local dish. It's also got fruit from the uh, juice from the fruit called the naranjilla, which I believe is orange-like. We also mix it with beer, probably a pilsner. Uh, Seco de Chiva is served with a bright yellow rice cooked so that it's crunchy at the bottom of the pot. Oh, that's probably got to be a bear to clean out, though. A good serving of rice means you're going to get some of that stuck and almost burned on the bottom, but that some so you get a crunch, but you're also going to have fluffier rice on top. Uh, every family-run restaurant has this, and they all claim to have the very best recipe. So you can Google up your own recipe and choose to try this if you have goat meat available at your local butcher. Match number seven. Our final match in CONMEBOL, South America, is a Sunday match, and this time not from a tournament but from a league. Peru's Primera División, they are in their clausura or closing stage. This is only the ranked uh, eighth-ranked league in all of CONMEBOL, at least according to a website I like called Kick Algorithms. Thank you to them. Uh, they're about th- a third of the way through this stage. The top two teams will get to go to the Copa Libertadores overall for the year, and then the next four will get to go to the Copa Sudamericana. There is a three-way tie on points so far here, and that's the reason we've chosen this, even though it doesn't involve the number one team this particular match. Number three, FBC Melgar versus number B, Universidad de Deportes. The other team that's in the uh, tie is Sporting Cristal, by the way, and all three are undefeated. Uh, The U, as they call it there, uh, they lead Melgar by one on goal differential, and then uh, Sporty Cristal, they lead uh, the U by one as well. So things could not be much tighter. The series between these two in recent years, a slight advantage to Melgar with an 11-8-9 and record. In the Apertura stage when they played, it was Deportes, It was uh, the U that won Universidad de Deportes 1-0 at their place. Each stage is a single round robin, so they still take turns hosting. Melgar get to do this, so this time they are called the Domino or the Lion of the South. Seems like every third club in the world is named the Lions, but at least that's a little bit different. Uh, They play out of the city of Arequipa, which is the second biggest one in the country at about one and a quarter million people in the city proper. This is essentially the legal capital of the country. They have a, a, a splitting of duties just like we have here in America, but like some countries around the world, they split up uh, the legislative, executive, and uh, judicial branches into different parts of the country. The Constitutional Court is here in Arequipa. If this name means anything to you, it might be because you know that Seattle Sounders player Raul uh, 
Rui Diaz played here for quite a bit of time. They've won the league title two different times. Last time was 2015. They've also won three stage titles as opposed to a full year title. Last time was the 2022 Apertura stage. Uh, They made the Copa Sudamericana in 2022. They've never been further in the Copa Libertadores than the group stage. That was 2019. Last year, they finished in fifth place in the Clausura stage, but third best overall in the aggregate table. Their defense is good, but their offense is very good. They're top three in that regard, getting almost two goals per match. Key player to look for, tied for number five in league scoring with a dozen, is Bernardo Cuesta from Argentina. Seems like we're getting a lot of Argentinian players moving around. Uh, He plays center forward for them, veteran, 34 years old. And then on the assist leaderboard with five is Christian uh, Bordecajar. He is also from Argentina, right winger. Team's current form, 3-1-0 and in their last four. And now out of the capital city of Lima, the U, Universidad de Deportes, uh, international body called the IFFHS ranks them number 201 in the world. That puts them between Brentford, a somewhat recently promoted team in the Premier League, and the Philadelphia Union, just to give you some perspective. In the Copa Libertadores, they made the quarterfinal in 1994. That's tied for the best that they've ever done. In more recent years, they've struggled to even make the group stage consistently, although they do go to the qualifying rounds quite a bit. They made the second round uh, last year for the Copa Libertadores, to give you an example. They have won 26 league titles. This is your, I mean, it's the National Sports University. Why not? That's the most in the country's history. 2013 was the last time, though. It's been a little bit. Although they have won five uh, single stage titles, most recently 2020. They finished number three in the Apertura stage this particular season. Offense has been good, but the defense is where they've been really shining. They've only given up two goals in their in their seven matches so far in this stage. Tied for number five in league scoring on the year with a dozen is Alex Valera. He is a homegrown player, plays center forward for them. And number three in assists with seven is Andy Polo. I don't know why I just like that name and like saying it. It's like Francisco from Elf. Francisco. Francisco. Anyway, he plays right back for them. And yes, Major League Soccer fans, he played for the aforementioned Portland Timbers from 2018 through 22. They could probably still use him. Team's current form, 2-1-0 in their last three with a nice tidy 4-0 goal differential. Match number eight. Our next match doesn't come from a continental confederation, but we slipped it in anyway, just in alphabetical order for the acronym of FIFA worldwide because the Women's World Cup is going on and the USA gets to play Sweden in the knockout round. They only finished second in the group stage. They squeaked in. Congratulations to them and to Sweden. But since you can get previews about the particulars of this match just about anywhere, I'm going to let this be the opportunity for Daughter Dearest co-host, 11-year-old person noob to take over with Aminos, Aminos, Aminos from around the world. Oh, yeah. Oh, now I'm doing the oh, yeah, just like you do. So you're here to tell us we like to learn about soccer, but we also like to learn about the world through the lens of soccer. What particular animal are we going to be learning about today from Sweden? The Arctic fox. <laughs> Gets its own theme song. What is the overall status for the Arctic fox? Is it endangered? Uh, not really. Uh, it's least concerned worldwide. Right, worldwide. But how about for this particular region? Uh, uh 
Uh, yeah, uh, it is critically endangered in Sweden and nearby areas. Yeah, it's not doing well in Scandinavia, Northwest Russia. There's only a couple hundred of them, in fact, from what I read and had in my notes. How big is this thing? Um, about two feet long. Hmm, what else can you tell me about the size? Uh, well, it's small, uh, well, it's small and compact to body that's understandable it's a very teeny tiny creature in fact i read that the difference between the core temperature of the fox and you know how like we're at like 90 you know 92 93 degrees whatever uh arctic fox can run as high as 180 to try to keep itself warm it's just or i'm sorry there's 180 degrees total difference between the outside and the inside sometimes so it's got to run really really hot on the inside what sort of things, uh, before I eat it, what sort of things does it like to eat? Would it eat me? No. No? What does it like to chew on? Uh, uh, it eats lemon, uh, lemmings, voles, ring, ring seal pups, fish, waterfowl, and seabirds. Uh, carrion, berries, seaweed, and insects, and other small vertebrates. Yeah, so the ones near the coast, they like to eat the seaweed, and the ones that are... Uh, more inland, they like to eat more of the other animals. It sounds like any. Basically, what I read is if they're not near the sea, they'll read they'll eat anything smaller than them, more or less. They are not particularly picky. What are some of the things that do like to eat them? Um, uh, things that like to eat them, uh, like predators, are golden eagles, arctic wolves, polar bears, wolverines, red foxes, and grizzlies. And I'll tell you right now, from my notes, red foxes are the really, really, really big one. Now, a lot of animals, they like to hibernate when it gets really, really cold and the food's a little more scarce. Does the arctic fox do that too? No. No, it does not hibernate. Uh, but they move a lot less uh, in fall to build up fat, growing up to 50% in size. Wow, so they don't need to go to sleep to put on the big boy pounds, huh? Nope. Nope, neither do I. Well, I sleep a lot too, and I'm putting on the big boy pounds. Neither here nor there. All right, tell me about the kind of places they like to live. Uh, they live in huge maze-like dens. Oh, maze-like? That sounds like it'd be really hard to build. Why do they go to all that effort? Uh, oh, well, it helps protect them from the red foxes. Yeah, the foxes can get in there, and they're pretty easily too, but they might get lost if they don't know their way. And the arctic fox knows its way, and then there's also a lot of escape holes from what I read. So that's how they can get away from them. Now, it can get beyond cold in the Arctic, even colder than back home where Grandpa and Grandma live in Iowa. How cold does it have to get before a red, uh, before an Arctic fox even starts to like shiver from the cold, though? Negative 94. Holy cow. You know, some people around our part where we live, the country where we live right now, they start to shiver if it gets below 74, even outside let alone inside. Can you imagine being at negative 93 going, you know, I'm cold, but I'm not that cold. I'm okay. And not shivering. That, no. I would have to be wearing so many parkas and moo-moos and everything else. Be unbelievable. Now, what can you tell me about its sense of hearing? It's got something really special, doesn't it? And its smell. Mm -hmm. Um, oh, it's hearing, it's hearing helps to find lemmings and seals under, under the snow. Several feet from what I understand, but their sense of smell does even more. Uh, their sense of smell helps to find polar bear carcasses up to 25 miles away. 25 miles away? Mm -hmm. Can you imagine? I mean, that's almost that. I mean, yeah, we can. Somebody can probably smell your farts 25 miles away, but that's neither here nor there. I, I think that's yours. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Maybe the cats. We got a cat climbing around the quote unquote studio here. 
You smelled what he did the other day, and that probably could have been smelled for 45 miles. Ugh, new kitty foods doing that. But anyway, I think that's pretty cool. So while they like to go mostly after live animals, after an Arctic wolf, like if it, you know, eats a, if it eats a bear and leaves anything behind for 25 miles. I mean, that's as far as it takes us to drive from, like, you know, from home up to Lexington. Can you believe that? And it can smell a polar layer laying around from that far away. Yeah. Absolutely unbelievable to me. That's like a shark smelling blood in the water from miles and miles away. What are some of the threats to this particular animal? Why is it having trouble in Scandinavia? Climate change. Yeah, what does climate change, how does climate change affect it in particular? Uh, oh, well, there's less snow covering it. Oh, which means the white fur is not protecting his camouflage. Yeah. The ones that are nearer the coast, from what I understand, uh, have uh, tend to be a little bit more blue. So they're kind of, uh, nothing's really changed for them. But the ones in the interior of Scandinavia are really, really struggling. The red foxes are having an easier time seeing them. And the red foxes are bigger and probably faster. And what else is making it so that there are more red foxes to eat the Arctic white foxes? Uh, oh, there are a few. Uh, well, there are fewer wolves hunting them, so there, so there are a lot more. Oh, so fewer wolves hunting the red foxes, or all the foxes in particular, means more red foxes to eat the white Arctic foxes. Mm-hmm. You know what else I read? They like to they like to eat if uh, if there's food's really really scarce. Mm-hmm. Their own poop. I don't think I could be that hungry, do you? <laughs> and Person Noob has passed out and fallen over. Ooh, hi. <laughs> you didn't know that one was coming. All right, in this part of the world, what is uh, there is one big place, uh, nature reserve, that is trying to preserve these in Sweden. What is the name of it? Um. Yeah, we practiced it, but it's a fun one, isn't it? Something, something, nature reserve in Sweden. Well, spell it out. V-I-N-D-E-L-F-J-A-L-O-E-N-S. Uh-huh, and I told you the J is like a Y for us, where it makes a yes sound. So, Vindia, Vindia? like a fjord. Remember fjords from uh, from the what, the Disney movie with the princesses, Let It Go, Let It Go. What was that called? The movie? Frozen? Yes, Frozen, yeah, fjords. So the J is like a Y. So Vindal Fjallens, Nature Reserve in Sweden. So if you want to help protect Arctic foxes, that is the name of the place to Google up because they are doing far and away the most in that area, or at least I assume so, because it was the one name of a place that we found very prominently. And now comes the time of the show where we listen to person who react to baby pictures of the animal, <laughs> which works really well in an audio format. Describe to the people what you're seeing. Yeah, they're very small to begin with and only two feet long. And that's those are the adult ones. That, you, that one looked like a cartoon. Yeah, one of them is a car yeah, that one yeah, that one's a car oh that one's real but looks like a cartoon because it it looks like its eyes got done, like you got a makeover. Like it's wearing mascara. There is a cartoon one. But there's one looking down a snow hole. He's probably gonna go after a lemming or a ring ring pup seal. Cute. Yeah, they're all curled up. They curl like up like that because their bottom is uh, their belly is where the fur is the least, and so they curl up to reduce their surface area against the cold air surrounding them. 
pretty cool. By the way, this animal, it wasn't in your notes, it was in mine, has the thickest or most insulating fur of any animal in the world. That's part of the reason it gets hunted. That's another reason that it's having trouble in places like Scandinavia, even though it's illegal to hunt them. Particularly the blue ones get hunted because that fur is so warm and so beautiful. <laughs> You're looking at one, looking at a round coffee table where the whole coffee table face is just nothing but an Arctic fox face. And there's one getting held. See how small he or she is compared to that hand? You think we should have an Arctic fox here at home? Maybe yes. we could help save them and yes. preserve them. We I need don't, all of them. It's here. probably too warm for them here. We, we need, need all the baby foxes all here. The baby foxes. All right. Well, this has been lots of fun. Person who thank you for introducing us to the Arctic fox. And this was Aminos from, from around, around the world. Croissant. 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 Yeah. All right. Match number nine. What did I tell you? Every single confederation was going to get hit this time. Alphabetically next is the OFC. That is the Oceania Football Confederation. Yeah, all the island countries in the South Pacific. Far and away the smallest one, but we still got a great race and matchup going on in the Solomon Islands where the top flight is the S League. And this week, uh, their uh, top two are going to be facing off. It is the third best ranked league in all of the OFC. Uh, the top two teams will get to make it to the Champions League for that grouping. And they're a little bit more than halfway through the season. Your matchup, number B, Honiara City versus number one, Central Coast. Central Coast lead them by eight on goal differential. Yes, they're tied. Told you it was a great race. The pair of them lead number three, Solomon Warriors, who still might be my favorite to win the league, really, by three points. When they played earlier this season, uh, it was Central Coast that got a 1-5 win. I am not sure why Honiara City is getting to host both matches this regular season, but there you have it. Honiara City. Honiara is the capital, by the way. Last year, they finished in eighth place. This year, the reason they're not probably going to win the league, at least in my opinion, is their defense. They're giving up over one and a half goals per match. That is well below average. The offense makes up for that somewhat, though. And their current form would certainly belie that they're doing well. 5-0-1 in their last six. And then Central Coast, very young club, founded in 2020. And, uh, well, they were either founded in 2020 or they moved up uh, to this league from just the Honiara City Football League in 2020. Last year in this league, they finished in third place. This year, very well balanced, two and a third goals per match, scored only giving up three every four on average, and they're tied for number one in goal differential. If it's not going to be Solomon Warriors, I think that it is going to be Central Coast that win, and I believe that they will get at least a point here on the road against Honiara City. Their current form, they're red hot as well. 4-1-0 in their last five. Uh, although it is worth noting, they've only had one clean sheet over that stretch. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. We definitely know what that sounder is. The most meaningless match in the world. Two teams from somewhere smack dab in the middle of their standings, equidistant from the glory that would be winning and going on to international fame and acclaim in some tournament or getting relegated. These teams just seem to be chilling out. The most meaningless match in the world this week, 
is a Sunday match, and we have celebrated with them in song, and now let us give you the information because no other podcast will. We're headed to the League of Ireland Premier Division. Yes, we're on to UEFA, so we have reached the last Continental Confederation alphabetically. UEFA equals Europe, new bites. Uh, League of Ireland PD is ranked number 34 out of the 55 leagues in UEFA. Their winner will get to go to the Champions League. Two other teams will go to the tertiary or third best tournament, Europa Conference League. One of the 10 will be relegated. One will maybe get relegated, maybe not. They'll have to play in a relegation playoff match. We talked about that earlier. They're two-thirds of the way through the season, and these two teams are just gliding along, stress-free. Number five, Dundalk versus number six, Shelbourne. Uh, Dundalk currently leads Shelbourne by a point. They trailed number three, Bohemian, by six points. So it's a small enough league. It's not inconceivable that they couldn't get hot and go on to international play. It's just less likely for them than most anybody else. Shelbourne, by the way, they lead number nine, Cork City, by 15, the second-to-last place team. And there's a big gap between the bottom four and the rest of the league. So there's very little chance that either of these teams will get anywhere close to the relegation zone. There are two matches earlier this season. Well, Dundalk won when they played at their place last time, 2-1. to one. Shelbourne, they only managed a 1-1 draw at their place. Now they play again. The series between these two in recent years has been all Dundalk. 12-5-2 is the record. They're sort of a uh, former power in this league. They just have some good uh, recent years, just not the last couple. Uh, the city is in the northeast corner of the country, Dundalk, by the way. It's right on the border with Northern Ireland, uh, halfway between Dublin and Belfast. Give you a little geographic perspective. It's the seventh largest one in all of Ireland at just 45,000. Uh, former industrial town, but now it's really big for uh, tech, thanks to foreign investment, and a lot of uh, pharmaceuticals, again, from foreign investment. They've won 14 league titles. The last one was uh, three or four years ago. Yeah, 2019. They won four of them in the 2010s. They'd love to see a return to form. Not happening this year. 2016-17, they did make the Champions League playoff round. That is one win shy of making the group stage. And getting that far allowed them to qualify for the group stage in the Europa League. That's the best they've ever done. Although in 2021, they made the Europa League group stage as well. This year, they played in the Europa Conference League, advanced from the preliminary round to the first qualifying round where they lost. That was because they qualified for that, I should say, by finishing in third place last year. This year, the offense close to good enough for international play, but the defense has been a little bit below average. It's not a high-scoring league, and they give up one and a third goals per match. Nevertheless, keep players to look for for them on the positive end of things. Uh, the second-best Leader in goals plus assists, 14, is Patrick Hoban, their striker. His last club was Mansfield Town over in England, which is a League Two team. That's professional, but just barely. Give you a little perspective on what the league uh, abilities overall are like in the top flight here in Ireland. Number one in blocks per game with nearly one and a half is Andrew Boyle, their center back. Uh, he actually played for Shelbourne right after his university years, but he's bounced around since then. But our favorite part, when we have access on FOTMOB to teams, uh, that's an app that you need to get, by the way, F-O-T-M-O-B on your Apple phones. Just glorious. It makes this show possible. Uh, their most average player is Hayden 
Muller this year. He is an English center back, just 21 years old. So he's got time to improve from that status. He's only 73% on his passing accuracy. That is very dangerous from a defensive standpoint. You've got to be in the high 80s if you're in a central position. You're going to give up a lot of, you're going to make a lot of errors that lead to goals. But he is incredibly physical, 79% tackle rate. I think he'd be better on a wing, quite frankly. Team's current form, 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three. And now Shelbourne, they are actually from a Dublin uh, inner northern suburb called uh, Jonkondra. Uh, the Shelbourne comes from the name of a, a road that's pretty near where their stadium was or is. Uh, the suburbs only got about 10,000 people, but again, it's in Dublin. They've won 13 league titles, but it's been a minute since the last one, 2006. 2004, 2005 in the Champions League, they had their best ever finish, made the third qualifying round. They haven't been to the, any kind of European competition uh, since, since 2006. Last year, just a little bit below average, so this is an improvement for them. They finished in seventh. Their offense is way below average here. They play small ball. They've got the number one defense in the league, only giving up a bit over two-thirds of a goal per match on average. But since they're basically parking the bus and not trying too much on offense, it is what it is, and they've got the number five goal differential. Now, that said, the one guy who is running forward and causing a lot of mayhem offensively for them, second-best league scorer with 11 is Max Mata from New Zealand. Striker, just 23 years old. Yes, Major League Soccer fans. He spent 2021 in the Salt Lake City system, played for their USL championship side, Real Monarchs. They've also got the guy who's second-best in clearances in the league, Cornerback with nearly five of them, Luke Byrne. No surprise since they really try to absorb a lot of shots. Number one goalkeeper by a lot on save percentage. Uh, 79% is Connor Kiern. So he is doing the best he can in that regard, but he faces a lot of shots that he's done very well. He's tied for number one in clean sheets with 11 on the year. Their most meaningless player, smack dab in the middle of their uh, player ratings is Mark Coyle, their central midfielder. No goals, just one assist. Mediocre passing accuracy. 82 is not that great for a, a percentage for a central player, but he's a pretty good dribbler and uh, overall a pretty good passer as far as when he's doing his crossing shots. Teams scoring form 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three. And once again, we challenge you to find another Western podcast that's talking about any of these guys. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! Yes, Persinoob, your patience has been noted. We have reached the true end of our podcast road. Match number 10, although technically the 12th match. This is a Thursday match, the last day of our soccer week for this episode. From, once again, Europe, UEFA's Europa League, the second-best tournament in Europe, where officially, as they have it labeled, they are in the third qualifying round, first leg of the home-and-away, two-legged tie. It's really the opening round. They're only calling it the third qualifying round to sort of keep it on par uh, as far as the nomenclature with the Champions League and the Europa Conference League because that's where they are. The Europa League, due to the advent of the Europa Conference League, is much smaller this year and last year than it has been in previous seasons. So they're starting much later. So third qualifying round, opening round. Either way, there are 14 teams entering at this point. Uh, Ten of them are actually drop-downs from the Champions League, like teams that finished in third place in their group, for example. It used to be this tournament was made up a lot of a lot of nations FA Cup winners, but that is no longer as much the case anymore. A lot of them are now going to that new tertiary Europa Conference League. The winner of this round will go on to a playoff round 
in order to make the group stage, and the losers will drop down to the Europa Conference League. The one we're going to look at, Slavia Prague, one of only two teams in the tournament that qualified specifically by winning their FA Cup. There are other teams in this tournament, I will acknowledge, that won their FA Cup, but they qualified for Champions League by finishing very high in their leagues last year, and then they have lost and are dropping down. Slavia Prague earned an honest-to-goodness Europa League berth. They are playing Dnipro 1 out of Ukraine. The winners will face another Ukrainian team next round, Zoria Luhansk. We'll talk about Slavia Prague first. And their league. They play in the Czech First League, which is ranked number 18 in UEFA. This team has won seven league titles since uh, Czechoslovakia split up into two different countries, and they've won three of the last five, just not the last two. Last year, they got to participate in the Europa Conference League and actually made the group stage. Their 2023-24 league season just started, so there's not a lot to be learned there. But I will mention that they're 3-0-0 with a 7-2 goal differential. Certainly nothing wrong there, flawless so far. Last year, they finished in second place in the league. Overall, they finished the champions round, or in other words, at the very end of the season, actually tied with Sparta Prague, and they had the better goal differential, but that is not the first tiebreaker. The first tiebreaker is who won the regular season, and that was Sparta Prague by two points. So even though Slavia was probably the best team, they are not the team that got to go to the Champions League. Uh, Slavia had the number one offense by a lot, getting two and three quarters goals per match. Second best defense as well. Best goal differential by 50%. Key players for them. Number one league scorer last year is still with them. He netted 20 was Vaklov Jereshka forward, who's made two national team appearances for the Czech Republic as well. And then their goalkeeper, he was tied for uh, second best in clean sheets with 10. That was Andre Kolar. And now, coming to visit Dnipro for this first leg. Uh, they are named after the city from whence, whence they hail. It is the fourth biggest one in Ukraine with about a million people. It's in the central, kind of east-central part of the country and has become a major hub for humanitarian aid and even some of the weapons that are moving through uh, from Europe and other parts of the West. This is a very heavily industrial area. A lot of metals and a lot of metallurgy happening there. That's the core of their economy. Now, SC Dnipro 1, the official full name of the club, officially was founded in 2015. But for all intents and purposes, they've been around since 1918. They took over the infrastructure and everything except for the official history of the club that went under and had to get reorganized, FC Dnipro, instead of SC, as they are named now. Uh, they did have to start a couple of divisions back. They won the second division in 2018-19. Last year, they made the Europa Conference League knockout playoff round, so they nearly got to uh, they nearly got to the knockout stage in the group stage that had preceded it. They finished in second place. They dropped down here from the Champions League second qualifying round, where they had lost to Panathinaikos three to five on aggregate. Oh, and a little bit about the league before I get. The Ukrainian league is ranked a little bit better than the Czech one, even though they're down from where they've been in recent years. Number 14, uh, their league season has just gotten, get, gotten started. They've only played one match each, and Dnipro did win their one match. Last year, second place is where they finished. And last year, taking a look at their stats, not as meaningful as if it had been this year, but it's the best we've got. Very well balanced, top three offense and defense. And that defense is especially noteworthy in that they give up less than a goal per match because defense travels. I like them to be able to get a draw, at least here on the road. 
Number one score in the league last year by almost got twice as many as anybody else. 24 goals was Artem Dovbeck. He is now with uh, Girona of Spanish, uh, the Spanish top flight, La Liga. And the number one in assists last year with 10 still with them is Alexander Pikelianok. He plays central midfielder for them. And that's a wrap on episode 147 of Soccer Noob Rockin' America featuring Person Noob. Please remember that you can always vote in our bonus match polls on Twitter. Soccer Noob USA is my handle there. We would love to talk soccer with you, including hearing how you like this particular format where we're doing things uh, not chronologically moving throughout the week as we usually do, but instead organizing things geographically, just a little bit of a change of pace, if nothing else. We'd also like to take this time to thank the folks who helped make the show possible. Talking about he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production wizardry. Today in the Interno Inferno for all of his continued efforts and creative inspirations. To my daughter, Person Mwah, thank you so much. I love doing this show with you. and glad that you're still interested in doing this and want to save all the little endangered animals, especially the baby ones, even as I try to eat them from all over the world. And thank you to you for finding us, for tuning in. And we hope that if you've enjoyed what you heard, that you will pass us on to your footy-minded friends. Until we do it again in a few days, please have yourself a fabulous footy week. Take care. Chocolate croissants are so delicious. Croissants, croissants. Oh, beautiful croissants. So beautiful and delicious. Woo! Chocolate donut.